And everybody, it's time for the Trump assassination files. Come on down and join us at freedomslips.com, revolution.radio, and join us today. We're streaming around the world on iTunes, talkstreamlive.com, TuneIn, Shoutcast, Winamp, just a few of the streaming services that carry Revolution Radio. So come on down and join us at freedomslips.com. Call in and listen at 518-906-1839 for Studio A. That's 518-906-1839. Or you can go over to the revolution.radio website, freedomslips.com, and join us there live with using one of the mini players. And always remember... We are listener-supported and commercial-free. We have one break at the bottom of the hour. The rest of the time is for you to get information. And the archives are free. So if you miss anything, always remember, come on over to the archives and download it and or listen to it for free at no cost. There are a year's worth of archives for all of the shows here at Revolution Radio available for you, free to listen to. So don't miss out and get the news and information that you should. So good evening, everybody. Tonight, we have Gene Douglas. Gene Douglas, a um, college, uh, I believe he's a college professor in chemistry. I'm retired now, but yes. Go ahead. He's retired. Okay. Tell us a little bit about yourself so they know your background, Gene. Well, well, basically, I, um, I've been teaching chemistry for most of the last th- over 30 years since 1991, college and university level. And basically, I planned to go into industry when I went to grad school. So getting into teaching wasn't really what I had in mind. But, but basically, I, I really liked chemistry in high school. I majored in it in college and then decided to go to grad school to work in industry. And then, then I ended up getting into teaching and started in 1991. So I basically taught freshmen and sophomores chemistry, general chemistry, intro to chemistry, organic a couple of times, as well as um, some physical science courses. So I've had a wide variety of experience, but basically I have some interesting political history too. So it's kind of related to this, uh, this thing uh-huh. also, which interests me because I've been involved in Republican politics since I grew up in a very liberal Quaker family and kind of a black sheep that got out of that. And so basically I became a conservative when I was in college and then or way before then, I guess, and then uh, basically got more determined and such like that. And so basically I've been involved in politics as a candidate, as well as uh, on the periphery following it along because I find it very interesting regarding the games and such like that. But for most of your listeners, you need to understand that in some respects, American politics is a substitution for um, for wars, real war. wars, like the Civil War. Absolutely. And, and basically, the battles are fought out in Congress as well as uh, for elections. And so what's going on 
regarding 2016, 2020, et cetera, is not new. It, it's like JFK stole the election in 1960. So, so what, what happened with Trump losing in 2020, basically because the Democrats cheated, that's not new. And, uh, and they weren't expecting yeah, to have to cheat much more than they did in 2016. So they were expecting to win, but Trump won. And so yeah. basically that's kind of the situation we're in now. And I don't, I, I, I feel in some respects, the only way that Republicans can win without cheating is win a large majority. And so it's a situation oh. where basically I, that's part of why I'm a Republican and not a Democrat because, because basically our, our platform, we stand for something that, that means a lot to me. And, uh, and, and yet the democratic platform is obscene. So basically. Um, obscene. Yeah. Yeah. The democratic well, platform is well, far, far, far obscene. Yeah. Um, we, um, I, I'm a hardcore independent. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I felt burned, you know, by Republicans in the past and, I, you know, well, I, could well, I, have been, I could never vote Democrat. Well, so. I, well, I understand that because I have two as a candidate, uh, but in some respects, uh, I like the platform and that keeps me in the Republican Party. And yeah. I don't see it being very, very useful to, um, to follow. The reason Bill Clinton became president twice was because Ross Perot went in there and uh, did the Reform Party. And, uh, a lot of people were supportive and the independents were supportive of Ross Perot, but he didn't have enough to win. So all he did is enable Bill Clinton to win with a minority. So basically, in some respects, our, our, our government is a two-party system right now. And the, sure, there are independents that want to start and, and can win congressional seats now and then but usually they tend to be ones that are more liberal like uh in maine yeah, as I well agree. as uh bernie sanders being independent but he's really a socialist democrat communist so, he's he's a yeah, communist. communist he's so, not independent <laughs> but yeah i got it but but he doesn't call him when he's a senator he calls himself an independent he doesn't call him he, or most of his career he's called himself an independent not a democrat yeah. So, so basically that's what he's a communist. And so, uh, but Gus Hall was a presidential candidate in 1976 and Brennan was a, was a fan. And uh, the Brennan, the former CIA chief was voted yeah, for him as well as Angela Davis and others. And, and so in, in some respects, having, having red or pink Democrats isn't new. Uh, particularly when, oh, yeah. when it was infesting the State Department during Roosevelt's administration. So basically, uh, this the politics we're seeing now isn't new, but all I can say is for your listeners, get out and vote Republican. Uh, and uh, I understand your desire to be independent and such like that. But, but for we're me, dead meat. I know. I, look, I, I understand. Independents are dead meat. You know, particularly if you're running for president because you're running 50 different state campaigns and you need a massive organization to to do that. 
my my big problem is that you know today while there is um there's some difference between democrats and republicans at the national level i just think they're also endorned endeared and committed to this two-party system that um they've essentially uh, how should i say it well i got uh, essentially overthrown the will of the people and it's just well, the corporate system now yeah well i understand that but part of the problem uh, there was a there was a u.s senator that i really liked in the late 1990s by the name of senator bob smith who's a Republican senator from New Hampshire, uh, classic conservative, whatever else, but he joined, he dropped out of the Republican Party and joined the Independence Party for a while with Harold Phillips, because he mm -hmm. was upset with the rhinos and the Republican Party, and basically decided to do that. But basically what happened for him was a lot of Republican supporters in New Hampshire kind of said that they weren't going to support him for running for re-election, so he decided to join the Republicans again. So he made oh, both yeah. sides angry at him. And <laughs> and so basically in 2002, uh, John Sununu ended up being the the Republican candidate he, because he lost the primary in 2002. So in some respects, him, him becoming independent was never forgiven. And so he lost his Senate seat that was considered safe because he yeah. went that route. But I, I, I'm not certain whether he, uh, he, he objected to it, but there are also classic Republicans like Gordon Humphrey now, who's essentially abandoned the Republican party and becoming Democrat and pro-abortion Democrat where he was a pro-life Republican in the early 2000s. Yeah. And so he basically became a liberal Democrat just like Goldwater had and uh, as well as Arlen Specter. So in some respects, uh, when, when, when people get old, they get, sometimes they get insane, they join the Democratic Party regarding politics <laughs> if they want to keep their, their, their yeah. power structure. So unfortunately, right. that's structure. the nature of the beast. So, mm, so you've got to make the best out of the, what you have. And uh, I've been a candidate twice for US Senate in Hawaii and once for the Congress in 2002 in New Hampshire. And I had a great time as Republican doing it, even though I didn't win the primaries, but right. there were specific reasons I didn't win the primaries, which I, I, I couldn't fight. Uh, but, um, but basically I, I had a great time getting, getting out to meet people and at least they had a choice. So, so yeah. basically um, even my getting into politics as a candidate is, is an interesting story in case you're interested. I can tell that story too. You can look, we, we can cover anything and everything. Well, um, well, it, it, so it's, related, go for it's it. related to me being a chemist. So basically when I was, uh, when I was working in Decatur, Illinois as a chemist for AE scaling manufacturing company, they make, uh, they make corn starch and corn sweeteners and such like that. And basically mm -hmm. They, they used to make Staley syrup, which many of your listeners may have heard of in the past. But basically, they, they've yeah. been cornstarch and corn syrup for a long time. And so basically, I was working for them as a chemist. They started a political action committee. And uh, basically, in the 70s, I had followed the Nixon, the Nixon problems and everything else. And, and uh, mm -hmm. the, 
the Senate Intelligence Committee and, and others who were trying to get Nixon impeached. Basically, there were some people on the, uh, on the Democrat side who went after Nixon, and I thought there was some honor there uh, regarding one in particular, Senator Daniel Noy from Hawaii. And uh, basically, um, basically, in a way, I was expecting, I thought he was an honest guy and such like that, because it seemed, at least publicly, he was. I tend to give them the better of the doubt first. But the point was that basically um, where I was working at A.E. Staley, basically what happened was they started a political action committee there. And, and this was in 1985, around the time of Iran-Contra. And the Democrats in the U.S. Senate and House were trying to get uh, Ronald Reagan impeached because he, uh, did, he mined the harbors got the CIA involved and mined the harbors of Nicaragua, 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 yeah. Nicaragua to essentially prevent the uh, Sandinistas from getting arms and uh, materials from the Soviet Union. And so basically he, he, had, he, he had gone around Congress and basically tried to get support for the Contras as well as to stop, stop the Soviet Union from actively supporting the Sandinistas. And so basically Ronald Reagan's administration has essentially mined the harbors of Managua. And basically what happened was that the Senate, the Senate Democrats as well as House Democrats wanted to impeach uh, President Reagan because he was going around Congress. And basically one of, one of the leaders, the head of the Senate Intelligence Committee, Senator Daniel Inouye, was posturing and such like that about how he wasn't informing Congress, et cetera, else. And basically the classic Democrat going after the Republican president. And uh, so desi desiring to impeach Republicans uh, presidents started with Richard Nixon and he resigned to avoid that because he tried to cover things up. And so, yeah. and then they went after Ronald Reagan for similar reasons, went around, tried to go around Congress and so basically, Senator Inouye liked to do a lot of posturing. But uh, at, in 1985, uh, the Staley set up a political action committee and, and they invited Senator Daniel Inouye to come in and speak to the group. And he, he was a, a great supporter of Archer Daniels Midland as well as Staley to help uh, right. get, get the uh, billions of dollars for um, for corn alcohol, uh, trash mash, we called it, as well as yeah. uh, as well as what essentially what that does is it, you if you pay billions of dollars, which, which is essentially waste material, uh, alcohol things. Basically, what it does is it artificially decreases the price of corn sweetener. So basically, ADM and Staley were involved in trying to get Coke and Pepsi. To, to have high fructose corn syrup in 1985. I was on the taste testers for that. And so basically Senator Inouye was coming to the group and he was talk, gave a speech saying how he's grateful for ADM and Staley to help keep the price supports high on Hawaii mm -hmm. sugar because that helped Hawaii sugar farmers. 
Well, yeah, there's a problem there. When you keep price support, the price of sugar very high, and the federal government is paying billions of dollars for essentially trash mash, trash meat <laughs> sign, essentially, and it brings yeah. down the cost of high fructose corn syrup. Basically, what's that going to do is essentially destroy the market for sugar. And so basically, yeah. I saw that being a problem. And, uh, and so, so basically, as a chemist, I saw that this is the problem with, uh, with politics today is, is one industry is destroyed because of special interests on other industries of another eventually do this. And uh, so, right. but then, then Senator Illinois got into a big uh, a political rant against Ronald Reagan, saying that he should be impeached because he wasn't informing his Senate Intelligence Committee about about uh, the uh, about the mining in the Nicaraguan harbors. harbors. But unfortunately, the week before, I read the National Review which it talked about a report that the CIA had prepared for his <laughs> Senate Intelligence Committee. And, and basically, I, uh, during the question and answer, I asked the question, I said, Senator Inouye, you, you talk about the fact that uh, he wasn't informing Congress. Well, didn't, didn't, the Senate, didn't the CIA present a report to your committee saying that they basically were mining the harbors in Nicaragua because the Soviet Union was acting actively bringing arms and munitions into Managua to support the uh, Sandinistas. And he right. said, he basically postured hemmed and hawed and said, I didn't read it. And so what happened <laughs> was uh, a lot of the audience laughed and everything else because I caught the guy in a lie because basically he wasn't reading the uh, reports that the CIA were presenting. They were saying they were going to impeach Ronald Reagan because he wasn't informing Congress, but he was. And so essentially, I, I made him look bad. And then I found out later he tried to get me fired. So, so that oh, was my bitch. experience of, of yeah. uh, scraping and making a, a U.S. senator look stupid in front of a crowd. <laughs> so, Amen. And, and I was only 28 years old at the time. So in a way, it's like that's with things. But time went yeah. by, and then I ended up getting into teaching. And then we ended up, after teaching for a couple of years chemistry in Micronesia, uh, I ended up in, in Hawaii in 1997, found out that Senator Inouye was running for U.S. Senate in 1998. I got the report of the support of the Republican Party in Hawaii and decided that I was going to run for his Senate seat as a Republican and try and win the primary. So basically I went around Hawaii saying how he was a corrupt, how he essentially destroyed the Hawaii sugar farmers because basically what had happened in the interim in the 10 years, 12 years since, the Hawaii sugar industry was destroyed because Coke and Pepsi and Kraft Foods and General Foods was putting everybody wants to, this corn syrup and everything. Syrup and not using sugar. So basically what happened was that basically I ended up running the primary and I came in third out of nine candidates and I didn't win because the top two candidates were put up by the Democrats. So that I didn't <laughs> win. And so basically, uh, but, I, but I got a lot of Republicans upset at me because I was going after their 
their good friend, uh, and, and one in particular called me an a-hole, Senator John McCain, who was a good friend of Senator Inouye, and basically he was another corrupt Republican, which isn't new. Absolutely. He knows that. And so basically yeah. uh, what happened was that uh, I ended up going after him, and they, I came in third out of nine in the primary. I had a great time, but they had two Democrats who became Republicans mm -hmm. just for the primary who came in first and second. So I came in third out of nine. And uh, and and so I, I had a great time and the primary and general was close together. So a lot of people thought I was gonna win. And so, so in a way, freaking out Senator annoyed because I was going around Hawaii saying he was at fault because he destroyed the Hawaii sugar, sugar industry. Yeah. Was, was a great political thing to go after him for. He admitted as such later, a few years later, that I was right about that because he didn't, he basically was being very political and supporting the, the ABM and, and, and state. Wherever the money comes from, yeah. hey, if you got yes. the money, you got your vote. <laughs> and, and so basically it, it was a great experience doing that. But then, then uh, of course he won the general and then Senator Daniel Kaka was up in 2000. 2000 and he had the same issues regarding that because he was also another supporter of the hawaii uh, the, uh, of the high fructose corn syrup and uh, ethanol programs as as a junior senator and so basically he played a role in, in destroying the hawaii sugar industry also but uh basically i came in second out of four in that primary and uh Basically, they had an old rhino who, who won the primary there, but he just basically destroyed his campaign. But but I, I had a great time going after those two Democrats as 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 a chemist and chemistry yeah. teacher uh, in a classic sense. I didn't have to win. I didn't spend much money, but I had a great time going around meeting people. And and that's what I encourage all of your listeners. If you're really upset and want to do something try and run and be a candidate and convince people of, of the, the rightness of your position. And at least you'll get out people to come out and vote, whether you win or not, is, isn't the point. I, 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 I happen to believe that's in God's hands. And so basically that's what I was involved in. And then we moved to New Hampshire and uh, I ended up running against the Republican congressman incumbent in the primary there as the pro-life conservative alternative to representative Charlie Bass in the second district of New Hampshire. And I got 13% of the vote there, but at least, uh, at least uh, I, I helped him win the general and, uh, and because there was a liberal Democrat running against him in the general, which was worse. But the point was, I, I still played a role in helping get conservatives to come out and vote. So in a way, I, I'm glad I played a role even there in New Hampshire. But, but I had my reasons there because I was pro-life. He was a rhino, pro-abortion Republican congressman who wouldn't support President Bush right. and what he was trying to do in reforming the system. And so basically, uh, basically I, I went after him in the primary. But a lot of Republicans in New Hampshire didn't like the fact that I was taking him on either so but i didn't care so so i had a good time anyway and 
he liked me at the end, which showed that I did the right thing anyway. So that wow. that's my that's history great. of being a candidate, but I haven't been a candidate since, but I still follow it along. So so if anything I can say to your um, to your uh, listeners is be involved, support your Republican candidates as well as as well as independents that have a chance. But right. in some respects, we're in an age where a vote for an independent is usually a vote for the Democrat. And uh, unfortunately, yeah, so that's just the nature of the beast that that basically yeah, that really uh, is true. not voting or or voting for a, a weak independent who can't win the general or the primary isn't necessarily beneficial um, to, to the long run to get in to change things because what we need in Congress is is to have a sizable majority in the House and the Senate, particularly more than 60, 60 uh, seats in the Senate to, to avoid any filibuster. Filibuster proof, yeah. So, yeah. so that's the thing. But basically what I see what's happening with uh, with the Durham thing is that A.G. Barr got the, exactly the right person and essentially uh, is he's doing his job now of trying to root out the, the origins of the 2016 uh, Russia hoax stuff and everything else and the corruption that was going on in the FBI and the yeah. DOJ as part of the Obama administration corruption as well as the Hillary Clinton corruption because she was Secretary of State under Obama. So um, that that really isn't yeah. new either, uh, even though people well, I, will think it's new. Yeah, I think it just shocked the living crap out of the Democrats that Trump won. Everybody, at least I believe, going into the 2016 election, Trump was the selected loser in this two-party system it just seems that they keep switching back and forth you know that well, um, well the, after four the, to eight years of a candidate they you really kind of sick of one party and they really so expected hillary to win they got so sloppy they didn't really i don't think they really thought of that chance that trump well, even well, had a chance well, trump Trump even thought that Hillary would win too. So in some respects, he was a bit surprised. But but I wasn't because I'd been out there to realize that, that there was enough of an undercurrent that I thought he could win. But but I supported Ted Cruz in the primary. I have no object. I, I I think that Ted Cruz would have won a more convincing victory. But unfortunately, uh, he didn't have enough support to win the primary. Uh, President Trump did. And the thing that's interesting, the connections there, uh, Corey Lewandowski, his campaign chairman, whatever else, I met him first in 2002 when he was the campaign chairman for, for Senator Bob Smith in New Hampshire. So, so I had met him before when he was a young guy working for Senator Smith. So in some respects, it, it's, uh, it, there was some history there regarding me, me knowing me knowing uh, Corey, but I don't know, I have any idea whether he remembered me or not, but the point was, I, 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 I understood why he was in there supporting President Trump and what he was trying to do and the grass, grassroots support that he got. But a lot of people don't realize that Senator, uh, sorry, that President Trump basically spent very little money 
for it to win the general election, whereas the Hillary Clinton spent two over two billion dollars to lose, yeah. which which in some respects a lot of people don't realize. And and the best thing about what the Trump uh, administ- winning did was essentially destroy the career of of Hillary Clinton as well as uh, essentially ended any possibility of her ever becoming president as well as as well as even now exposing rhinos which are republicans in name only who have essentially interfered with more classic conservative republicans that want to run run and make a difference whereas they get backstabbed and such like that by people who are more in it for the business not in it because they're principled republicans so so unfortunately um that's that's the nature of the beast too but there aren't any rockefeller republicans anymore they're they're losing uh, they're abandoning the republican party which is a good thing and uh and and yet it's a situation where that started i think with ronald reagan back in 1980 because a lot of he did not have the support of a lot of Republicans at the time. Uh, and that's one reason he picked George H.W. Bush to be his vice president, because it was a way that President Reagan could reach out to the other Republicans and say, Cross. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, and essentially win against Jimmy Carter, which in a way was a good move. But unfortunately, what, what it did was it, it, there were people trying to undermine President Reagan also. So uh, unfortunately, yeah, that, I'm aware of that. That's not new yeah. either. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I kind of, my whole view, a lot of the 2016 election was essentially, is essentially that Hillary was the selected winner. But the reason that they brought Bernie Sanders along and they brought Trump in is because the the party system was being fractured. And it was being moved apart, you know, just by the different factions within the Democrats and Republican Party, you know, with the Tea Party group and the standard, you know, um, when, uh, what you want to call them, run of the mill uh, conservatives. Um, I don't even want to call them that. I should say the party team conservatives. And it's the same way with the uh, Democrats and their uh, core uh, power system, power team, and then the socialists side that andy that sanders brought in uh, i just i thought that it was an election that was set up for the minorities to kind of to entice them back to the party back to the party system itself because itself was kind of shattering some well, and well, you know well, well, without well, well, the socialists go ahead well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's just how but, I view all of that. But, but that's part of why Ronald Reagan won in 1980 yeah. as well as 1984. He got a lot right. of conservative Democrat support. And so the, the first one who was really able to get that back was was um, was President um, Trump. Uh, right. After essentially Bill Clinton had destroyed his own brand by uh, by essentially by essentially with the corruption of the Clinton administration and the fact that Hillary and him were involved in, and uh, he lied, he lied before a grand jury got impeached for the right reasons. 
not the right. bad reasons, but the right reasons. He ended, even ended up getting disbarred later for it and uh, paid a fine. But the thing is, he did lie to a federal grand jury, whereas that absolutely did. President Trump never did. But Bill Clinton did. And so in some respects, in some respects, it was a soiled thing. But a lot of Republicans don't realize that Bill Clinton never won a majority when he ran to, for president. It's like president. Ross Perot was in there in 1992 as well as 1996. Mm-hmm. And and unfortunately, the, the Republicans put up Bob Dole in 1996, it wasn't a strong candidate either. He kind of got half lame support and Ross Perot stayed in there. So in some respects, it's like it, it like they asked for the Clintons. And uh, and so in, in some respects, uh, George W. Bush was a reaction to that, which I think is a good thing that he won and was president for eight years because we got some good Supreme Court justices out of that. But 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 that wasn't enough to change to get the rhinos out of the party because there were too many there were too many rhinos who were part of his administration who showed themselves later uh, in their anti-Trump behavior in 2016. So absolutely. So and McCain was part of the problem there. Mitt Romney also. But um, Unfortunately, yeah, that's the nature. Well, of it. so early 2017, wasn't it? John McCain that was uh, had said he would plan to take the the dossier that um, I forget his aide's name that had brought it back. Well, he well, he was involved in the dossier even he, he, even before he, that. Yeah, even before that in the summer of of 2016. So. So basically, he was working to undermine, because, again... Undermine uh, the president. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, because they supported other candidates, whether it was Jeb Bush or others. And so basically, Mm -hmm. uh, Senator McCain was a spoil sport, too, because he lost the election. and, And, but a lot of people don't realize the reason he lost the election was a lot of conservative Republicans didn't turn out vote for him in 2008. They, they, they thumbed their nose right. and said, no, I'm not voting for that guy. And, and good for them. It's, yeah. but, uh, but unfortunately we ended up with Obama for eight years. So, so in a sense, the, the U S asked for Obama for eight years too. So unfortunately that's the nature. Well, a- after eight years of George W, I, I really, I don't I think they could have elected a dog catcher, a Democrat dog catcher after eight years of the the Republicans um, used up their goodwill. And I mean, I just see this pattern where the party in power uh, uses up its goodwill and burns the citizens um, with new regulations and everything else that of their agenda. And once their agenda is in, everything kind of goes to crap and then everybody gets this uh, i call it puke politics syndrome where you know everybody essentially you know gets sick of the political system kind of as it's sitting right now and um yeah it's a um it's a terrible thing because we we essentially were manipulated you know on the 
Republican and Democrat side were manipulated by the politicians. And um, we, we get to the point where I look at it, it's my view that the system is, is working together, that at the top levels, you know, the system itself, the Democrat and Republicans that are parts of that system, they're working together, uh, Mitch McConnell, McCarthy, you know, Pelosi and Schumer, you know, it's as if they're separate, but they're all still working together and working through that same system to keep it intact. And um, well, I, I just well, don't well, have well, a I'm lot of faith in, in the way it well, trickle well, up well, politics the way we have. Well, unfortunately, that's that's the nature of the thing. And in spite yeah. of the fact that a lot of conservatives have difficulty with Senator McConnell, he represents well the state of Kentucky uh, and got got reelected to do a job. And he also plays political hardball against Schumer, which in a sense is necessary. He doesn't roll over for Schumer. He didn't roll over for Harry Reid either. So uh, unfortunately, that's the nature of the, the beast going on there. And even, even Representative McCarthy is a good foil to uh, prevent the excesses of Nancy Pelosi, even though he, he doesn't have much power to change anything as a minority leader. So uh, uh, unfortunately, until, uh, until the Republican caucus picks someone else, they're kind yeah. of stuck with it, and I, uh, yeah, I, I don't agree. think I don't think a lot of conservatives are realizing that uh, Senator McConnell is the Senate Majority Leader or Minority Leader because he has the support to be the Senate Minority Leader, as well as Senator Mc, uh, Representative McCarthy has the support to be the the House right. Minority Leader, and the other. The other more conservative people don't, and right. so I basically, I understand. There's a need. There's a need to get things done, also in things, particularly about other things in the budget. Believe it or not, ninety-four, ninety, over ninety percent of the budget, both parties agree with, and most Americans agree with what needs to be passed through the committees and everything else needs to get through with that because it's all essentially agreed. But when you get into political issues that are fire-breathing fire dragon things and such like that, then that's where, then that's where the differences show up between Pelosi and, uh, and McCarthy or between Schumer and things. And basically, I, I, I've met Senator McConnell. Basically, Senator McConnell was very supportive in my running for U.S. Senate. So, so basically, he knew what I was trying to do against Senator Inouye and Akaka, is essentially trying to get them to spend as much money as they could in Hawaii. So it wasn't available on the, in the mainland for other right. Democrat uh, candidates. Races. So, yeah. so basically... Uh, there, there, there is a method to this, and a lot of people don't understand the nature of the politics that it is hardball, and and unfortunately, you need people who can play the game appropriately and win when it's impossible to win. But Senator McConnell can't really do anything until the Republicans have can beat a filibuster. So, right. so 
that's kind of what he stuck with as well as uh, Representative McCarthy. And I don't think Representative McCarthy will ever be House Speaker because I think that if Republicans take over again in 2023, winning, winning the generals in, in the fall, which I hope they do, right. essentially uh, the Republican caucus might decide to make President Trump House Speaker, which would be fabulous to make President Trump House Speaker. And then yeah. he has even more power than the president and essentially can be House Speaker for two years while he runs for U.S. Uh, for president again, and essentially even might decide to stay as House Speaker with DeSantis running in the in 2024 or Ted Cruz running in 2024 to be the president. And and basically, there's nothing that Congress can do or anything could do about right. if if President Trump is the House Speaker for the rest of correct as long as he wants to be. Uh, <laughs> Because he could do yeah. a lot more as a House Speaker than he can as as a President with the kind of uh, backstabbing he got from uh, from the Republicans or those. That, that was, was some cabinet, wasn't it? That was that was a cabinet full of uh, Caesars or Brutuses. Excuse me. <laughs> well, well, he didn't know that he was naive, but also he felt it was necessary to get qualified people in regarding. Who, who had the credentials to, to do it. And he gives people the benefit of doubt until they give him reason not to. And unfortunately, as someone who grew up being very gullible and trusting people until I got reasons, otherwise people may have thought, well, I've been taken advantage of all my career and such like that. Well, yeah, but I don't have any regrets. I'd rather be that, have a, that attitude than one of suspicious of everybody. So, yeah, so again, it's a situation where um, life is complicated, and and I I still think that President Trump was able to accomplish a lot more, despite all the uh, all the pressure against him from from the rhinos, oh. as well as from the Democrats who tried to thwart what he was doing. He was still a very effective president, unlike Jimmy Carter, uh, unlike Jimmy Carter in 1977 to 80. And so basically, um, in some respects, he was one of the most effective presidents for, for a one term president, whatever else. And he still may end up getting a second term with the placeholder of Biden, who basically uh, because basically President Trump can essentially do a lot of executors and essentially wipe out everything that Biden did Biden did the thing yeah. because none of none of it was passed through Congress, just like he wiped out what President Obama had done for eight years and just the first few months of his his term in 2017. So basically, there's no reason he had to do that again. And it, it, it his second term will be a lot more effective. But he has to decide whether he wants to do it or not. But, but again, it comes down to people don't realize that he did win the primary in 2016 because all the other 18 other candidates weren't, weren't strong enough to uh, essentially uh, beat him. Um, yeah. and, and, and Hillary think, Clinton. Huh? Hillary also, I think it was also uh, Hillary Clinton had, um, had suggested that, that she had wanted Donald Trump to win the nomination. 
And uh, I believe it was a, might have been a Slate article that was um, put out, if I remember right. Well, well um, they thought where they thought Hillary Clinton believed he could be the um, Pied Piper candidate for the Republican Party. And, you know, that's one of the news stories that I remember seeing was the questioning of why Donald Trump wasn't being targeted viciously in the um in the primary and you know it hillary clinton effectively had all the media behind her she had the media working essentially as in her press office and they you know the news was shaped um to take out different candidates along the way and to leave donald trump alone I, I mean, that was something well, that I noticed. Well, 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 when that run up to the uh, primary. It, they, it, they, they did think that he would be the weakest candidate, but the point is, they didn't understand. She, she called most of the American public deplorables. deplorables. So it's like that's the part. That's the problem with elite, um, elite Democrats who live in the bubble. They, they, they don't understand the American people in general. What what normal working people out there are, and uh, and so it's the kind of thing where they have no comprehension at all about it. But basically, yeah, still the, the 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 thing is, there was an arrogance that basically Clinton thought that she could beat any any Republican, and it, they didn't really care who won the primary. They just knew that they were prepared to beat whoever they had. But unfortunately, it didn't help. It didn't help the, uh, the 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 Trump administration to have uh, Jeb Bush supporters and Rubio supporters and uh, and uh, uh, who were in Congress who who were essentially trying to undermine him even after he won the yeah. general election. So it's the kind of thing where, in some respects, I ran into some Republicans who were who were on on the the Rubio side. Who who thought it was a good thing that Trump was impeached, um, and, and basically because Rubio as well as Burr was on the Senate Intelligence Committee, they essentially let Senator Warner run the committee. He was a Democrat, and so essentially the Senate Intelligence Committee was essentially a a, a Democrat-run group, whereas Devin Nunes in the House intelligence right. committee were able to accomplish a lot more beca because of the fact that they were uh, essentially run by the republicans whereas yeah. in the senate there were too many anti-trump republicans who were essentially letting letting the democrats run the show and working to undermine the president uh because they but but i saw that myself with being a candidate in the past too that there were people a lot more upset because I decided to run against the the incumbent Republican in the U.S. House in New Hampshire uh, because I was pro-life, he wasn't, and I was a real Republican and he wasn't, and and such like that. So it, in some respects, I ran into that same thing myself with people trying to backstab me whatever but i didn't care i i was in it for the right reasons so in a way it's like i just enjoyed making fun of representative bass and and yeah. so 
even when how dare you rock the boat is that what they were worried about you can't rock the boat (laughs) and his name was uh, representative charlie bass and basically um uh, i was invited to be a debate he decided not to come so basically i uh, i i I accepted the debate invitation from a place in nashua new hampshire and i decided to debate a can of tuna fish so I said, here's, uh, here's, uh, <laughs> here's Charlie, Char- Char- Charlie, the tuna fish, tuna bass, <laughs> something smells fishy. I put the can of tuna fish on the, <laughs> on the chair and said, yes, here I am to debate the can of tuna fish. So, so, I, so I had a good time with it too, but, <laughs> but Katrina Sweat, who was the strongest Democrat candidate, basically was all prepared to go after Charlie Bass in the general election accusing him of being conservative Republican and such like that. But the fact that I was running against him as a conservative, he was the moderate. So in a way he came across looking good to the independents in New Hampshire. And so essentially I helped him win the general election because Katrina Sweat couldn't label him as a wacko conservative uh, Republican. Uh, and far so, writers <laughs> well, yeah well i was a far writer but so i played yeah. my own role uh, my own role for the general which i was happy to do i wanted right i wanted Repub- the house republicans to stay republican that that district to stay republican because i was there in new hampshire to teach chemistry i wasn't there to run for politics but the fact is that i decided to do it because because he was pumping up his pro-abortion credentials in a way that I found particularly horrible yeah. in, in 2002. So basically it was enough to upset me and get me uh, 2001 as well as 2002, uh, particularly because President Bush was trying to pass the partial birth abortion ban uh, as well. And, uh, and Representative Bass was not supportive of that. So, uh, uh, so that's one reason it didn't pass the House was because Republicans, pro pro death, pro abortion Republicans were against, were against that, and uh, so, as well as a few pro abortion Republican senators. So, so in in some respects, I, I saw it myself, but. That's the nature of the thing. You, you people gotta take the risk of of standing up for what's right anyway, and so basically that's the nature of of the thing. So um, uh, more on that. <laughs> so uh, so when does a break happen? We'll have a break. Oh, I'm sorry, I killed the break at the bottom when we were rolling along pretty good at the bottom of the hour. We got about three minutes to the break, top of the hour break. Um, would take about three or four minutes. Um, okay, that, that's good because I have to use the restroom. So in case, so uh, <laughs> well, any any if you have to, you go. I can talk. Um, but uh, yeah, um, Trump Russia collusion. You know this this started before the election. You know, and um, it actually started well late twenty fifteen. You know, it's really kind of well. The, the well, it, 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 it started. Kind of it started, started before that in. too, because there were certain uh, politicians in in the U.S. that didn't like 
didn't like the fact he was a real estate developer and would interfere in the foreign foreign relations with trying to generate business and get Trump towers in a bunch of in a bunch of city states that basically were not on the acceptable list for the regarding the the uh, yeah. re- regarding the Obama administration's uh, you know uh, approved approved list of of com- uh, countries to do business with. So in some respects, just him being a successful businessman was the things. And and Representative Nadler of New York City essentially has been going after uh, uh, President Trump for decades, uh, all the way back to the 90s, trying to get him in jail and such like that. So so in some respects, uh, him having Democrat, uh, liberal Democrat opponents, even as a businessman in New York City, isn't new either. So basically yeah. the fact that he was in there but but the main issue regarding president trump was he people knew that he couldn't be bought and that's the attraction he still has that he still can't be bought he doesn't need the, he, he doesn't he need doesn't people. need their millions and millions right. um, of payoffs yeah. right of course but because and that's what i found with senator Inouye is the level of his, of his corruption that he sold out Hawaii sugar farmers pretending to appreciate them, essentially showed how deeply corrupt he was, that he was only in it for the power, not and just posturing about whether he's going to really help Hawaii or not. Because in a way, his method was to bring bring money to Hawaii and then throw money at the things, but essentially ignore the corruption that still exists in Hawaii regarding the, the mob. And uh, and triads and other things like that that are that have been you know very well portrayed in in all the different varieties of Hawaii Five O particularly it's not it, corruption isn't unknown to Hawaii and has been a problem there for decades and so in some respects uh, and there are other states that are the same the same way cities Chicago Detroit Philadelphia etc where where the democrats have always run the the uh, always run the the um the nature of the 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 political machines and so nature of the grip not the largesse the benefit of of that right all right hey we're going getting ready to go to break um everybody will be right back uh, about five four to five minutes and um more with uh gene douglas next Okay, thank you. Um, <clears throat> okay, all right. So, all right, everybody, we're back with uh, Gene Douglas. And, Why don't we have this portion um, be uh, you ask me questions? I, I've talked a lot about myself, so why don't you, you ask me questions now? Okay. Um, <clears throat> do you think... Uh, at what what's the time do you think there'll be any time frame moving forward with durham i mean we're seeing so much movement right now in the michael sussman case where the details of the plots that are coming out uh lead directly to hillary clinton and um directly to the seventh floor of the fbi and the fbi the cia uh, had already determined that the Alpha Bank 
the Alpha Bank allegations brought to them by Michael Sussman, Rodney Jaffe, and the rest of that little crew there. That um, do you think there'll be much movement um, in, in expanding that investigation? Well, uh, there's lots of ample opportunity. I just well, don't well, know. There's, a, there's there's one interview that that AG Barr gave uh, back in the summer of 2020, where uh, around the time where he uh, he set up the Durham, uh, it, it was one of the um, verdict with Ted Cruz things, where they uh, where basically Ted Cruz and the interview were there. Uh, of the wire basically um, interviewed uh, and called him the honey badger, um, A.G. Barr. And basically he went into for, for almost a half an hour talking about the Durham, what, what he, he had planned, for, he had appointed Durham to do. And a lot of that has come true. And I encourage all your listeners to watch that. It's still available on YouTube through Verdict with Ted Cruz. And and watch that honey badger video again with uh, with rep, uh, with AG Barr because it, it's uh, Durham is still continuing the job that he got put on and and a lot of your listeners do not understand the nature of the DOJ when the DOJ and when Durham is doing his job there are not supposed to be leaks we're not supposed Correct. to know what's going on. We only know when when he presents evidence in court and such like that. And uh, there's a Twitter space going on right now about the Russia sluice. And I encourage your uh, viewers to uh, listeners to um, connect to them and perhaps look at my Substack page and see all the listen to the Twitter spaces where he goes into all the detail of FOIA requests and and documentation and such like that. And the thing I appreciate about what the groups have done is essentially they avoid speculating and making up stories. When when they when they have ideas, they'll say, yeah, we think this is what's going to happen, but we don't know for sure. They're not allowing conspiracies to come in here. They're waiting to see the evidence. They want to see the FOIA release documents and such like that, and then they draw conclusions based on what they see on paper, which in a way is a scientific method for looking at that. Correct. And basically, there is one guy on there, Fool Nelson, who, who played a role in exposing Jaffe for who he was as one of the guys who was involved in the um, in in uh, in I think the Danchenko. Uh, indictment as well as some of the other things basically because they just went for sources open source public information and found out who this person must be essentially getting a scoop but the point is they're doing it the right way and and then when essentially when these trials whether it be the Kleinsmith trial before or the Danchenko indictment or what's going on now with Sussman, essentially when that, when that brings out a lot of evidence that is now available for the public, they're, they're finding that a lot of what they predicted was true is true. 
and that basically what the, it is confirmed what the Nunes committee came up with. And there's a couple right. of great books by uh, Lee Smith, particularly the uh, essentially about the uh, the the one about the uh, impeachment of the president, the Nunes committee, and such like that, and and what they were what what the Nunes committee did, and then the his second book, the permanent coup, where he goes into detail about that, and and there's a lot of things that the Nunes House Select Committee on Intelligence didn't know because the DOJ wasn't cooperating with them regarding getting them documentation. But Durham has access to all that. And so basically, even in this trial now that's going on, uh, uh, that uh, the, the public is now becoming aware of, at least important people in the public are becoming aware of documents that essentially prove the fact that Clinton was involved from, from the start in pushing the Russia hoax to avoid uh, dealing with the, um, the, the server issue regarding her email server that was against the law. And essentially when she was, you know, the secretary of state and essentially all yeah. the other factors that goes into that. So I encourage your listeners to, uh, to uh, check out the, uh, Check out my Substack page and listen to the Twitter spaces for themselves. Look at the documentation for themselves, read them, and then you'll find out. And I even have the House Senate, the House Intelligence Committee under Nunes uh, interviewing a whole bunch of people, including Sussman, everybody else that are Sussman that's on trial now, where essentially the ham and haw and whatever else, and they, and they even lied to the committee. And uh, so so basically it led to a lot of referrals that Nunes and the Republican leadership of that committee uh, sent to DOJ. And Durham is of course aware of all that. So we're not gonna know about it if it's working properly regarding how it's supposed to do because Durham doesn't leak, his people don't leak. Right. And, and, and so basically the way I view it I'm an optimist because of that interview of, of A.G. Barr, as well as I, I'm an optimist because I'm a Christian and happen to believe that that eventually all will be exposed, including this crap, because a lot of Democrats were fooled by the by the uh, corrupt ones in the leadership also. Absolutely. And the Democrats will end up turning on each other. Each particularly other. when when essentially a, a, a lot of Democrats thought thought highly of themselves because of their own view of looking both sides of the issue and kind of had a view that they were above the fray when in reality they've been complicit in uh, supporting the corruption in their own party yeah. that essentially uh, you know robbed robbed uh, Bernie Sanders twice of the nomination because Hillary Hillary and and the establishment essentially worked very hard to destroy any possibility of 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 Bernie Sanders winning the Sanders, yeah. winning the primary themselves because they knew they that did. Bernie Sanders would never win the general election so so right. basically they they saw to it that Bernie Sanders would lose twice in the primaries and 2000 as well as 19 
as, as well, sorry, 2020. in 2020 as well as 2016. So it's nothing. So basically, um, it's not new there either. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we knew that when, when, um, they were, uh, the Democrat National Committee and Hillary Clinton were sued in Florida court by Bernie Sanders supporters. And the DNC lawyers said, well, they're kind of naive because we can make the word, the wording within our, um, charter, the words fair and honest and equal, we can make them mean anything we want. Uh, I, I was just kind of, uh, I was shocked myself that the DNC lawyers would actually go in the court and claim that the Bernie Sanders supporters were really politically naive because they believed that the, um, that the primary process was going to be fair and equitable and equal. But um, one thing that, uh, that we, that is always a question that I have is, you know, with Joseph Mifsud and his setup of George Papadopoulos, um uh, at least that's how i view it well, and then well, the, well, the thing, thing that's interesting about this okay. group is that basically the group the russian Swiss group on twitter that that, that they're having that uh, another thing tonight on they've come to the conclusion that uh, george papadopoulos lied a lot in his book as well as other things and mischief essentially played no role in at all Stephen Halper was much more a factor than Misfit was uh, and and basically uh Papadopoulos made up a story because the, the uh, because the the DOJ and the Mueller team essentially uh said either you sing and 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 tell us all uh, tell us some great stories or we're coming after you and so they basically, uh, he sang, but basically he fed them a bunch of BS that sent them all over the place. And Musfid, believe it or not, was part of that. So, uh, and, and because these people working with documents, FOIAs, other things like that too, they, they've come to the conclusion that George Papadopoulos likes to tell stories and essentially uh, with his tall tales essentially involved Misfood and Misfood played sort of no role in or not much role in any of it whatever else but that could yeah. be wrong too who knows so we well, don't know what Durham so knows about it and and the thing is we have to wait and see regarding whether Durham's going to do anything about that either yeah there, there is so much misdirection in in all of this uh this plot you know, uh, I kind of looked, I looked at the structure of the plot to get Trump. I kind of likened it to the plot of terrorist cells with Jews, where they have different cells in different areas that have different um, operational status that have different jobs. And, um, you know, there's a setup team, there's a hook team, there's a financial team. Um well, there's a great, there's a great book. There's a great book that goes into that called uh, "Witness" by Whitaker Chambers, where he talks about the American Communist Party during the 1930s, 20s, and 30s in the U.S., of which he played a role in running a cell. Essentially, uh, that 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 is a network of that is the old Soviet system of the communist yeah. thing of of getting 
all the sides to work against the middle and everything else. And, and essentially uh, the different cells do, do their own job. There's very, 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 uh, there's little coordination at the top to, to kind of get anybody in trouble. But the point right. is they, they all have their own mission because they're driven by the communists and the Soviet ideology. ideology. And, yeah. and that book, Witnessed by Whitaker Chambers, he goes very thoroughly into that, as well as there's another book uh, called um, The Intellectuals by Paul Johnson, where, where he, he goes and, and discusses the writings of Marx and Engels and other things like that. And believe it or not, that's part of the Marx, the Marx-Leninist um, uh, method, methodology of mm. essentially, uh, uh, essentially disarming your enemies uh, by setting up, uh, setting up, you know, false equivalencies as well mm. as, uh, as well as uh, pretending they're representing the workers when they're not, um, etc. And so it's a kind of thing where uh, this isn't new. And that's part of why uh, people need to realize that a lot of this is, uh, is pretty well read out in a lot of uh, uh, American communist literature, whether it be Saul Alinsky and the Alinsky Manual that Obama liked and everything else. He, he was a Chicago activist, as well as uh, Noam Chomsky and, and others who played played a role as as american communists essentially pushing certain directions and there's a great book about a guy who used to be a communist getting the support of the students for democratic society in the late 60s by the name of david horowitz who wrote some great books exposing that as well and basically he runs a, a conservative think tank now but but he's been warning against this ever since ever since he got converted away from his old communist past because he grew up in a communist family in New York City and essentially uh, abandoned it uh, years ago. And there's a very interesting book uh, David wrote about his own history uh, and uh, that's quite excellent. So th there's, there's a variety of resources that people can read to get the bigger picture and, and yes, you're correct that this this is this is things, but the ideology is what unites them all, and and the 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 ends is what's much more important than the means. The it's mean, like the means. the means could be anything anything they can get away with. Yeah, if they can uh, they can uh, burn down the neighborhood and call it a peaceful protest. Uh, of course, that's, that's one example, I guess. Well, uh, burned down DC during the summer of 2020, and 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 January 6th, and, and then nobody calls that an insurrection where they try to storm the White House and burn down the the church, the historic yeah. church, and other things like that. And uh, hundreds of park police get injured and everything else, but they make uh, they make a big uh, thing about anarchists essentially. It, intruding in a peaceful protest that the Trump people set up in Washington to essentially ask the Congress to do their job and in, uh, in uh, 
Oh, I agree 100 percent trying to discover the 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 real problems with the violations of federal law and what happened in the elections of 2020. Wow. So they they invented the insurrection of one six because essentially Pelosi decided that she was going to essentially make trouble and and then blame Republicans for it. So yeah. so that that unfortunately is the nature of their their methodology is that they get BLM and other anarchists involved. But the thing that's interesting now is that the BML BLM activists are being exposed to the corrupt people they are, you know, using the money to yeah. buy houses in California and other things like that. So it's like they're discredited themselves. And so in some respects, uh, in some respects, I think the backlash of what's going to happen in, in the fall is going to be quite profound. Uh, and, and, and that, and all these things essentially will lead to essentially the destruction. And I hope it works out this way. The destruction of the democratic party as a force in American politics for hopefully the next few decades, which would be great, but we'll, we'll see. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They, uh, the, you know, the democrat party is, um, facing a lot of, um, uh, I don't want to call it bad press, uh, criminal press, I guess is a good description with the Hunter Biden laptop. And of course, with this, uh, the Sussman investigation and John Durham's, um, John Durham's team, uh, uh, exposing the democrat party and the Hillary Cl and the Clinton team. It truly is something that, um, is slowly unraveling. You, you know, we have, um, Dan, Dan, I guess it's Dan Shanko's trials coming up um, next, isn't it? Correct. That's, um, in, that's in October. And all, and, all the way. In and, and I encourage anybody that's really interested to, to go to the documentation to see for themselves, because I, I, I I've got it uh, on the page I was referring to. Also, I've got all the different Twitter spaces that they've been mm -hmm. discussing it as well as all the documents that people can download and read for themselves too. And uh, so, so I, I encourage any of your listeners to do the research for themselves and such like that, but just start out by just listening to the Twitter spaces starting back in uh, <coughs> October, because the, the first one I recorded was one that, uh, that Mark, uh, sorry, Michael Caputo, who was part of the, Trump administration yeah. uh, describes his own history about what happened regarding that. And he goes into detail about his own experience with the Durham, uh, with the uh, Mueller team and others, others like that. And then goes and explains a lot of it. And then they have a bunch of other people on there too, like Felix Sater and others who give their story. So basically I, I enjoy listening to it because I'm a big picture guy. I don't know all the details that these other investigators have, but the other investigators essentially been looking and finding the information for themselves with federal documents and evidence and other things too, and not just relying on conspiracy theories or stories spread around by people that yeah. want to make something that isn't there. Yeah. I, you know, um, through my research, I've, 
I've basically been looking at and documenting all of the news stories uh, week by week, really since 2017. And yeah. I take all the news stories and I cross-reference all of them. And you can find some common facts. You can see some common flaws. And you can see where the liberal media is, um, is more consistent with their falsehoods, I guess, because they try to get somewhat to the big picture and they use these bullet points. Um, but the, um, you know, the news stories, uh, you know, that's why I, that's another reason why I trust very little what I actually read in the news. And it really doesn't matter what network it is, if it's a mainstream I certainly don't trust them. And if it's alternative media of some kind, I try to read it, you know, double. Well, I read them all double close, so to speak, uh, just for the simple fact that the information that they all put in there, they all are kind of hedging, hedging their bias, uh, what their point of view is at the time for whoever they're writing for. Um but there is a there is a lot of information, bits and pieces there. But uh, I think uh, only uh, about fifty uh, percent of it's true. What this group has been doing is is using FOIA, the federal uh, the the federal open yeah. uh, open access records yeah. thing, essentially to get the documentations for themselves, even redacted ones that that may shed some light on what really was going on and such like that because they've been very successful in even getting emails from the from georgia tech as well that exposed the uh, Jaffe as well as the other people at georgia tech and what they were trying to do regarding uh re regarding a fusion gps and on other things like that and a lot of that came from the their foia research and asking the Georgia Tech people for public records of emails from these various people. Yes. So, so it, basically, the thing that's interesting about what they do is they is they use a scientific method to do that. Right. And so, again, it's it's I, I applaud what you've been doing yourself with the news stories, but unfortunately, unfortunately, with the mainstream media, you can't trust much of what's in print either. Agree. <laughs> because. Because it's quite obvious, a lot of those stories have been fed to to them by uh, Fusion GPS and other people with axes to grind that that basically yeah. want to want to sell to the jaw. Uh, and but there's a very interesting book about the subject about how the press can be used for nefarious purposes uh, by Michael Crichton. There's a book called State of Fear, where he goes uh, where it has to do with the extreme environmental group who set up who used the press and such like that to, to to set off the global warming thing and even start a war try and start a war with a propaganda whatever else and it's a it's an excellent very excellent book that is even very germane to now even though he wrote it back in i guess 2005 or something like that but it, it's it's really quite interesting the nature of uh, of the uh, the propaganda mills isn't new either, because when I was growing up in the 70s, they had the 
coming ice age and such like that because they're trying to scare people regarding uh, you know gl new glaciers are right around the corner and such like that so we gotta we gotta we gotta fix the climate because we're, we're coming to a new ice age I see. Yeah. and then it became global warming and now it's climate change because global warming has been disproved so so again climate change is normal cycles are normal and and a lot of people well, won't admit that the great lakes were carved out by glaciers they weren't just put there with right. the, yeah with the ice cream scoop uh, but, but the glaciers carved out the Great Lakes and the Hudson River Valley. And if there were glaciers once that carved out the things, yes, uh, uh, it's gotten warmer since then. And it'll get cold again, but man is <laughs> no, involved I, I in any of that. So, well, I, I remember those brutal 70 winters. Some of them were yes, pretty right, chilly. <laughs> I was in high school then, so yeah, yeah so, I remember. Yeah, so, well, I graduated in 75, so I, I'm probably a little older than you. But, uh, but three yes, years, uh, yeah, I graduated. Yeah, years, we, we, but, yeah, we had the same kind of, uh, 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 and, and I thought it was stupid then, and it, it's stupid now. Stupid but now. I, but I have a good memory that I remember the, the, the fear mongering that went on in the 70s. And so I, I realized that this isn't new. It's just a different crop. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, a lot of people that I've spoke with don't quite understand the Alpha Bank allegations and or how they got the uh, DNS data that they actually gave the FBI. Uh, I know there's been a, a lot of information about that coming from Georgia Tech and DARPA-related contract. Um, well, can you explain that to people? Yeah. Well, well, basically, the, the, the Twitter space groups, there's an intense discussion of these things at various weeks that I think will be very useful for your listeners to listen to them. But... Just to summarize, because I've had a computer hobby since I was 10, DNS is essentially domain name server, okay? So, for example, right. if you put in, um, if you put in cbs.com, cbs.com to find out the TV network, or right. paramount.com, or columbiapictures.com, or something like that. Uh, the DNS server essentially translates that English terms of cbs.com into the IP address, which is four numbers, that sends, sends the query to that different place. And uh, uh, basically, that's what a DNS server is. And all your internet provisors have DNS servers. Google has their own. I, I happen to use one myself called OpenDNS.com, which has a filtering apparatus that basically filters out uh, porn and other bad stuff that I don't want on my computer and, 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 and uh, you know, scammers and other things like that. I just can't even visit the sites. So basically, I use it for my own self uh, just because I don't want that crap anywhere near me. But the point is, again, the, the DNS is a domain name server thing, and it's very easy to spoof 
DNS things, particularly if, because all it means is that they type in alphabank.com or something like that from, from, from a wireless connection near the Trump Tower. You know, they just piggyback on the internet thing and then they go to alphabank.com and just query it and pull up the web page. And, and that supposedly is a ping regarding going to that thing. And it, it goes through what is called a DNS server, which keeps a record of it. And right. so basically that's what Jaffe and company tried to do is set up phony things using Spectrum Health in Michigan and Chicago area that they kind of had a Trump email server there and had kind of set up phony DMS pings of certain people at those places querying Alpha Bank, which is a Russian bank that that was has Putin connections and basically Jaffe and others set up that uh, set up that method to essentially uh, and, and it, it's called a spoofing a, a spoofing right. thing. So basically, it was very easy for the techs, and, and this is what this is what came out in the trial recently. That basically is very easy for the techs at the FBI to figure out within a day. And there was just testimony on this that within a day that they found that the that the Alpha Bank stuff was crap. And that basically it had been uh, it had been falsified, where where the, where certain people sent in pings and other things like that, essentially hijacking servers or doing it doing it mechanically because they had access to all the data, and so they just made it up, made it up, and and so basically that's what what that is. But but again. Uh, again, that's just part of the connection that the uh, that the the Hillary Clinton campaign was trying to do in sending false information through Sussman, who essentially lied to the FBI because he was representing the Clinton campaign, and basically lied to the FBI, providing evidence of this supposedly Russia bank connection to the FBI, and then. And then Jaffe went and Fusion GPS went around that and essentially notified the press, willing people in the press. And there's a whole bunch of emails that came out of from Fusion GPS to members of the press where they were setting up these stories in advance. So basically with two ways, one through Sussman to the FBI and the CIA and another to the press. And so the press reports kind of confirmed what uh, Sussman was telling the FBI. So, right. but they were basically coming from the same place. And, and that was Jaffe and et cetera, and Hillary Clinton and, and, and Fusion GPS setting all that story up. And even the dossier, the uh, steel dossier, uh, you know, was run out of Genchenko and, and the Brookings Institution with Strobe Talbot and others. And a lot of people think that there were members of the camp Hillary campaign, as well as Steele, as well as people at Brookings, you know, as well as Denchenko and others 
making up stories about supposedly Trump connections and mm-hmm. uh, and antics that went on in Moscow, etc. So essentially, to uh, to get people involved who were involved in his campaign connected to Russia too, but it essentially was a big distraction to to get the the, the yeah. DOJ and the FBI away from uh, investigating the Hillary uh, illegal mail server that she had set up for her use during the uh, her tenure as Secretary of State. And then yeah. basically even that is an offshoot from what Hillary found with the star report way back in the 1990s where basically uh, the, uh, there was a lot of there was a lot of um, documents that were found of, of, of Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton that, that were found through public sources. And so basically what the Clintons decided to do was set up their own server to get it off of the federal server situation so that they had control over uh, who had who would have access to it and it could be easily disposed of if there was anything uh, anything tawdry or anything illegal discussed yeah. in that but they could essentially destroy destroy it themselves with just saying oops yeah. at the end so <laughs> oh it's so. like the uh, durham team or not the durham team excuse me it's like the uh, robert Mueller team I, I refer to him as Sideshow Bob the Turd. Um, and Bob's team, you know, magically, all the lawyers, almost all of them accidentally wiped their phones after the investigation well, was over. Well, even what's happening in the Sussman trial and everything else and, and what the Durham people have already submitted into the public record has essentially discredited the whole Mueller report and everything Absolutely. else because even the Flynn Flynn, Flynn was uh, uh, Flynn was uh, essentially declared not guilty way back in December of of, of 2016 even before he yeah. got even before, even before he, he got was uh, charged and indicted. It, yeah it, it, it charged. As well as as well as the uh, all the other people who were involved in the uh, in the Mueller report were essentially uh, essentially cleared by the FBI and whatever else. But uh, but there were people at the leadership of the FBI that decided to reopen investigations or whatever else to say there must be something there, but there must be something there. And so basically, they <laughs> yeah. could use. We can make something there going on <laughs> and tell the press about it. So it must mean yeah. it's true. But but in reality, that's not the way that DOJ is supposed to work. And that's why a lot of people don't understand that we had years of this leaks and such like that. So even Republicans think that the DOJ leaks and such like that. If we don't hear anything, that is supposedly bad news when in reality, we shouldn't be hearing anything from Durham. Yeah. There shouldn't be any leaks and whatever else. What matters is what gets presented in court and what comes out in these pleadings. And there's an awful lot of information that was released that was released as just part of the Denchenko indictment, the Kleinsmith indictment, as well as uh, as well as the uh, 
the Sussman trial that's going on right now. So uh, the only way for people to really in, understand that is to read it for themselves and, and see it for themselves or whatever else. And I've spent ever since uh, October where I got, I, I don't really know how I got connected with the group, whatever else, but I've been very impressed with what they've been doing because they've got, they've got a good uh, feel for the facts and they, they, they admit it when they're speculating, but they're not going right. to come to conclusions based on just rumors. Yeah. So it's, it's a kind of thing where, um, where there are people out there spinning tails, which essentially oh, gosh. very counterproductive. And unfortunately, that's what happened with, with the tails being spread that kind of interfered with the legitimate uh, attempts to uh, investigate the, the fraud that went on in the 2020 election. 2020 election, uh, yeah. Be, be, because of the false stories that were, and essentially the way naive Republicans were used by nefarious characters whose job it was to present false information to the things as, as a way to distract and, and yeah. make the other side look stupid. Take them down a dead end road and drop yes. them off, basically. Correct. Yeah. So I, I had a question. I had a question. Um, <clears throat> and this is kind of pertaining to this, um, to the Alpha Bank stuff. Uh, it was, uh, I, I remember that it was reported early in all of this that um, it was alleged at one time that uh, Emily McMullen, the alleged sister of Evan McMullen, CIA uh, presidential candidate out of Utah in 2016, it, it was alleged that she had uh, something to do with the um, Alpha Bank um, server, the setup or something along that lines. Uh, I, I remember seeing that in the media, but um, I really never you really never heard anything about it after that. I, I just always now believe that that was another one of these dead enders that the government um, counterintelligence political operatives create. Uh, I think Q is one of those operations um, that it's essentially gives people some information, lead them to a dead end, and drop them off in the midst of uh, being frustrated. Hopefully they, um, they um, strike out or get angry. And then you can, you know, you can use your um, wrap up smears from there. Uh, it, but um, I, I've always wondered about that. And cause I, once you saw that story and you saw it once or twice, it never appeared again. Now it's a question of whether it was true and they tried to hide it or it was just so untrue that everybody dropped it. So I've often wondered about that because I still have never, I, I still haven't heard or, or you never hear, uh, <clears throat> you never hear of that. So um, I always now, you know, I've always, you know, for a while I've kind of believed that that was somewhat one of those um uh, one of those dead end roads that they tried to lead people down. Um, so I, I don't know, but you know, that's why everything is, 
everything you see and you hear it kind of has to be in question or questioned you know because until we have the trial until the FOIA request until the stuff comes out you know it's so hard to really know the truth um the 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 durham the not durham excuse me the steel dossier and uh, the, the, they released um 17 memos that think it's about 35 36 pages um of the durham uh, excuse me i keep saying durham of the um steel dossier when if you look at the numbering and stuff on the steel dossier and compare the dates and side by side you know you have a basically starting at memo number 80 in june and ending up with um memo 166 um so you know there's a lot of that is quote unquote missing of what the steel dossier actually is um and so i often wonder what is in the missing parts of the steel dossier because everybody talks about the steel dossier well, but it never, all they, it's all false <clears throat> I, I know it's all false and it's all leaks but what are the other calls and the other memos? I know one, one of those memos, uh, Christopher Steele said was a phone call to somebody. Well, um, well again, yeah. a, a, again, that's part of the method, part of the method of, uh, because it keeps people guessing if they, if they, take, if they take numbers out. So, so, so basically the whole point of all this is it's like the, Steele compiled a whole bunch of different stories he made up and, and others made up and sent in. And basically they presented it to uh, Harry Reid. They presented it, it ended up going to John McCain. It ended up mm -hmm. going to the FBI. It ended up going through through John McCain to the FBI again through another way. Uh, right. the, you know, it ended up being uh, the 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 background for why they went after Papadopoulos and Carter Page and others who were the other part of the four, four or five people, Manafort, et cetera, um, as well as going after Trump because of supposedly nefarious things that were going on there. So again, you can't trust anything of that, even the numbering. And so oh, I, I think, agree. I agree. I think it's kind of silly to kind of uh, to read read so much more into it that that isn't really. Well, your I do be. I, I'll be honest with you. I do because for the simple fact we know uh, Jonathan Weiner in the State Department, who had worked somewhat some with Steele, was effectively um, deleting all their emails, and you know. You know, all the contacts well, and all the information. Well, Weiner, Weiner, as well as Fiona Hill, yeah. they both had connections to Danchenko in the um, in in the uh, Brookings Institution. So, Correct. so you know, and even Chalupa and others, others that were involved there. And I think when the Danchenko trial happens, uh, they'll start. They will start releasing a whole lot of information regarding uh, the, the background for convicting Denchenko that starts in October. So basically, a lot of the documentation that has come out 
that is being used against Sussman now essentially will be released by uh, by by Durham to the court in the Eastern District of Virginia, yeah. not in D.C., but the Eastern District of Virginia, which has a different jury pool. And so it's a situation where I think they'll learn a lot more about all of that. And that's the value of what these guys of the Russian sluices come up with is essentially they look at all this documentation. They use FOIAs as well. And, and they've been able to kind of compile it all together and then work individually and even a, a little part of different couples of them, right. whatever else, working together regarding getting FOIAs and such like that. And, and not overlapping each of, other of, yeah. of, of listening to that kind of uh, thing kind of from the beginning. But as I said earlier, I started listening to their stuff back in September, October, around the time when uh, Denchenko got uh, indicted, indicted and yeah. Kleinsmith got convicted and such like that, because finally doc finally evidence was being presented in court and, and and i'm glad i waited because i understand a lot more whereas i didn't know who was telling what truthfully at the time right so well i guess that depends on what not 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 means no uh, right. if you're uh klein smith <laughs> uh but um it, it's crazy and, and, and believe it or not the way things works the way things works is if you've got if you've got a dossier that has little bits of truth interspace interspersed within the crap uh, that makes the crap more believable that there's something there when in reality yeah. uh, there's nothing there at all and you can't you've got to disallow everything because there's no way for a layman to distinguish between what is valuable crap. and what is crap. Yeah. yeah. And so, so in a way, it's like uh, if we, if there's no way for us to distinguish between truth and error, it's like, for example, I've been teaching chemistry since 1991. I trust the textbooks I use that they're in general useful and valuable for what how chemistry works. But right. if I was told 10% of those, 10% of the general chemistry textbook is wrong that I couldn't use that book because there'd be there'd be no way to differentiate between what is wrong and what is right what when, is right when, yeah. when it's not credible so in some respects absolutely when you're talking about a science textbook where uh, you know there might be little bits and pieces which are wrong but it, the big picture can be taught is so that everybody can understand it and it's consistent with what other scientists are saying. And it's the same thing. It's, it's the same thing working regarding yeah. this, this material as well. So you can't avoid that kind I'm, of relationship. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of watching and waiting for Durham to go towards Chalupa and the Black Ledger and Nellie Orr. Um, because I, I always believed that, um, you know, Chalupa and the DNC and their operatives basically got Konstantin Kilmanik to create the false black ledger and then used it and then fed it 
into the US 702 Intel system and then had Nellie Orr essentially harvest it out of the of that 702 well, Intel well, system. Nellie Orr worked for, worked for Fusion GPS. So and the CIA. Yeah. So, <laughs> As so, a Russia specialist. <laughs> yeah. So so basically the key thing is I think a lot of that's going to come out of the Denchenko issue as well as okay. other things. And frankly, I think that, that what's going to happen is there's going to be a RICO case, uh, the racketeer, the, the racketeer thing that will bring everything together. And, and what Durham is doing now is setting up the foundations for them for with, that these, case. with yeah. these different characters, whether it be Denchenko or Sussman or Kleinsmith, the FBI, Den, Denchenko being a, a civilian, uh, Sussman working for the DNC and the Hillary campaign, essentially all these foundational things for the bigger pick, the bigger RICO case, which I still yeah. believe is going to happen eventually. But the thing is, uh, what Durham has to do is is set the table appropriately to 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 set the foundation so that all of the when all the all the indictments start coming that they'll be believed and taken seriously. So uh, we've only got a few minutes left. So do you have any other yeah, course, five minutes. simple yeah. questions for me or something like that we can kind of finish up with? Um, uh, gosh. Um, Anything we didn't talk about? Well, you know, I, I said, you know, I believed a couple of years ago I was trying to put this together and I was trying to figure out the timeline that, you know, uh, you know, cause everybody would say Hillary Clinton's never going to go to jail. She's never going to get charged. And I was always saying, yes, she will. I believe that Hillary Clinton will get charged. And I've always believed it's, it's going to be, you know, 2023, 2024, maybe even 2025, you know, before all of this, uh, all of this information, all of the indictments and everything kind of cycles through the system to where we actually get indictments against the upper echelon of this um, conspiracy to take out Trump. And that's, that's how I look at well, it. Well, the thing is, the, the Sussman trial just came out with the latest tidbit that, that one of the, uh, uh, the MOOC, one of the leaders of Robin the Luke. Hillary campaign essentially said, essentially exposed the fact that Sussman was uh, essentially told to essentially by Hillary to say yes, present it to the FBI. So so that that may happen, but I'll believe it when I see it because I frankly think that Hillary as well as her husband essentially have been very good at isolating themselves by getting underlings to do the dirty work, whereas they kind of stayed above the fray. And uh, uh, the, the Hil Hillary got away with an awful lot of things, the, whether it be Whitewater to, to all the, you know, losing files to all sorts of things that was going on regarding Paula Jones and all the other stuff that was going on regarding yeah. in Arkansas, as well as in Washington, DC. And so, uh, She's gotten very good at avoiding personal responsibility for it, but I'm I'm an optimist, and I believe eventually God will deal with these people, 
that seem to get away mm-hmm. with it uh, regarding yeah. justice. They think they get away with it. That's yeah, the truth. They, they think they get away with it. No, you never do. You never do. Um, yeah. Um, you know, I know we don't die. I had a, an experience where I actually was near a house fire and um, I can only describe it as I saw two ghostly figures inside my RV and I could look through them and I could see the plywood, that old dark fake plywood on behind them. And I only saw them for a split second and it was like the, one of those slow motion things that happened to you. And, and next thing you know, they went zoom into a light that had formed in the other corner of the camper. And uh, I was working on a job up in West Virginia, in uh, Varney, West Virginia. And um, it, it was the most profound experience I, I have ever had in my life. And it, it changed my life. And so, you know, um, I, I, you know, I've become a Christian now and I believe in Jesus and I believe in God and I know we don't die. And, you know, well, well, that's, people will well, be that's held accountable. Hope, that's the hope we all have. And frankly, I, I, I enjoy watching all these things exposed for what they are. And I think that that's the best we can get out of it. And, and in the meantime, I encourage your audience to be very skeptical, do the research for themselves read the documentation that's come out or whatever else before you jump to conclusions, be intelligent regarding conclusions. Don't necessarily believe everything on the internet. Most of it is crap. Uh, and, 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 and yet use your head and be able to ask questions. And I think that's the best, I think that's where we could best leave it this evening. So I I hope you've enjoyed this chat as I have and hope your listeners have as well. I have. Thank you very much, Gene, and you have a great day. God bless you. Okay. Uh, thanks, thank everybody. You. All right. Very thanks good. All the best. Everywhere. Okay. Bye. Bye bye. Thanks, everybody. This is Mitch at Revolution Radio. We're wrapping it up now. God bless. Good day and good luck. <laughs>